So I'm here today with the great pianist, composer, band leader, recording artist, Jim Riddle. Uh, Jim is an amazing pianist, and I've heard him play a couple times. Uh, he was just recently at Furman University, where I'm an adjunct. Uh, he came with the Tim Armacost Quintet, and uh, it was just a great, inspiring performance by all these guys. And I was particularly struck by just the beauty of, of Jim's playing, and I'm happy that he's agreed to do this interview. So welcome, Jim. How are you doing today? Uh, uh, good, Keith, and thank you, man. I'm uh, Thanks for asking me to uh, for our conversation, and... Uh... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm pleased that you're willing and able to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I have to say that um, once again, I just said it, but that concert was just—I mean, we—you know—we don't get to hear. For one thing, we don't get to hear things of that quality and that level down here that often, you know. So uh, that was just very inspiring for me personally. Yeah, and and to meet all you guys and hear you and hear to see the master class. The master class was great too. Yeah. Well, it was good. I mean special for us to, you know, be performing Tim's music together and then also to share, you know, uh, share our knowledge with the, with the students was, uh, you know, was, was, uh, I, I like how Tim sets that up or that, that that's very important to him. And well, I think to all of us, but that, that was, that was a good thing. Yeah. Be, so I know you're an educator as well, as well as being a performer. Yeah. Then more, you know, I'm getting deeper into education as I, I mean, I've always taught, but mm -hmm. more things are opening up that way, which is, which is good. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm still primarily a player, but you know, these things are uh, sometimes just kind of going hand in hand with tours, you know, yeah. and that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like teaching myself. I, I think it's very inspiring. I always tell my students, I learn more than they do. <laughs> yeah. It's it's right. I mean, it's amazing what we learn as as well teachers. But we're we're you know, learning as teachers, and I think that's if we're not, then something's maybe a little off. Or yeah, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so well, you won't remember this, but I, the first time I met you and heard you play was in New York in about I think it was just I think it was twenty nineteen, end of twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty twenty. I was in New York. Just I came to one for one day just to meet an old friend of mine and have dinner with him and his wife. I was in New Jersey for a week and yeah. you, you, I was down in the village waiting to meet him. And I looked down at the 55 bar and there's Marianne de Prophetess on the board. Who's was Frank's wife, you know, that's right. That's right. And, uh, yeah. I was like, wow, what kind of a coincidence is that? So I went in and, and heard her and you were playing with her and got to meet you and talk to you a little bit. God, that's right. man. That's, that's amazing. Cause you, uh, you you must have been friends with with Marianne as well, right? Well, Through Frank, just, or? that was the first time I met her. I knew Frank. I oh, okay. As long as Frank and Frank is good friends with my friend Ron, who they went to college together. Ah, and I'd heard Frank play. I've been hearing Frank play for several years, and finally got to meet him. And I actually ah. I told this story too. I came to New York. I got a grant from my city arts council to come to New York and study with Frank a few years ago. That's right. Wow. So yeah, special and poignant. You know, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, but let's uh, back to you. I yeah. know more about you. I, I was reading your bio and I see that you grew up on a farm in North Dakota. So, yeah. Yeah. How did you get started with piano growing up on a farm in North Dakota? Well, uh, uh, the, 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 the good thing, like with my parents and in particular, my father, I mean, both my parents and enjoyed music and they, you know, they grew up with the, the big band era you know, swing bands and all this stuff. And, 
and uh, that was their, you know, pop music of the day. And anyway, uh, my father, well, insisted that all of us kids take piano lessons, and I'm the youngest of five. And so even though he didn't play, nor my mother, um, they really supported us in that way. So uh, as far as kind of what stuck with everybody, my my oldest brother was a musician. He's since passed. But he not so much with piano, but with guitar and bass and saxophone and even some composing. He was an inspiration to me. And then my sister, uh, next in line, she, yeah, she played piano for 10 years classically. And, uh, but then at some point she stopped. And my other two brothers, uh, a love of music, but just didn't, didn't pursue it. You know, they, you know, took piano lessons. And, but so when it got to me, I, uh, I, of course, had some piano lessons at the parochial school I was at with a sister, Rebecca, you know, and she, uh, whatever the case, after a couple of years, I quit. I was just in grade school and my father was really, really upset. Uh, but I kind of was very stubborn about it. But I continued to uh, play and learn things by ear. I, I was still very, very struck or by playing piano, you know, and so it was, you know, tunes probably that my, my siblings were really listening to and that I liked and, you know, I'd get little things. Uh, and it, so I didn't study I, what, so there was this period between when I quit and then I was playing just by ear. And then uh, it was obvious, I guess I was still, I was playing because my father uh, asked a pianist that was in my hometown he was at the teacher's college. He was a student from Canada. And my father had heard him play keyboard with this guitarist that was actually from Boston. This is in the mid-1970s, early to mid-1970s. And so this tiny little teacher's college in Dickinson, North Dakota, attracted students from all over the country and even internationally, too. Uh, and... So luckily for me, I mean, my so my father heard this, you know, keyboard and guitar duet, really enjoyed them. And he asked Keith, who was, you know, my, my, uh, the, the pianist, if he would teach me. And so I got together at his, you know, where he was teaching at this school. Anyway, when I, when I heard him play, I go, that's it, man. That's what I want to do. And, and uh, it was that immediate and solidified everything. And so I studied with him and he opened up like a, such a world of, of music to me, uh, primarily jazz, but, you know, Herbie Hancock, Keith Jarrett, uh, Chick Corea and, and many, many pianists and some country pianists, some ragtime, <laughs> uh, and uh, Oscar Peterson, of course, and um, and then I did take uh, some. I know I'm elaborating, but this is all within North Dakota. There was uh, my teacher Keith. He re he said, "Well, you know, you should get take some classical lessons too." And there was uh, a wonderful teacher 
that I took lessons with for a couple of years as well uh, before I went to college. So anyway, that's how, you know, music is everywhere. And even in this very small town and, uh, you know, and very much a rural kind of place, you know, this music, as you know, just travels all over the world. So very lucky that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. so that basically just takes you through high school and then you went to college and continued to study music. Also. Yeah. When I, uh, <clears throat> um, yes, when I got uh, uh, out of high school, um, actually one other thing, I met another pianist actually that was only a couple years older than me, but was prodigious. So at that age, sometimes it's, you're close in age, but it's kind of spread out uh, just in terms of experience and stuff. So there's this pianist, Rob Mullins, who lives in L.A. And uh, he's he's more on uh, he's a terrific jazz pianist, but more a little bit more of, you know, not to pigeonhole what he does, but more smooth jazz. But but he plays also plays with Hubert Laws. So it's but his own music sits in that genre but he, he's formidable musician he was at a jazz camp in uh teaching at a jazz camp in north dakota when i was in high school and i went to that and he opened up other things that were different than keith you know and so i stayed in touch with him he referred me to some colleges in denver yeah that was through him and i ended up going to uh a university in Denver uh, that was a branch off of Boulder, Colorado. And yeah, for four and a half years, I was there and got a degree in scoring and arranging and, uh, you know, kind of more composition. But I played all the time. I was in jazz ensembles and I was also gigging, started to gig a lot in, uh, you know, in Denver and the state. And yeah, so it really... You know, it just was totally 100% that, just as it still is now, I mean, essentially. Yeah. You know, yeah. When you were in Denver, was Art Landy there yet? Uh, yes, he was. I'm trying to think when I first uh, met him or heard of him. It was probably, well, yeah, had to be, you know, maybe in my uh, uh, junior or senior year in college. I think I was hearing about him, but I don't know that I met him yet, but. He was on the scene, uh, the scene. It's not quite the way of putting it. Yeah. He he was primarily in Boulder, and he taught up there. And then, you know, after college, he was uh, it. He was more prominently making performances in, you know, in that whole area. And so I got to meet him through some other musicians, and uh, you know, just a, an amazing an amazing musician. I didn't study with him, but I, any chance I could, I got to hear, hear him. And then later on, uh, you know, through actually the bass player, Dean Johnson, who was probably on that gig with Marianne he was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's played with art for decades. And so, um, it was through Dean, it was kind of cool to, uh, um, you know, actually, kind of meet art again, but me as a, as a more experienced musician. And, you know, it's nice to have some conversations with him in that way. 
you know, so. I interviewed him for this podcast too. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Oh God. Really I, good interview. Yeah. yeah, I bet he's, he's a, a fascinating musician. Wow. Really you know, that. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> so how did you end up in New York city? Um, well, after, after being in Denver for 12 years, I mean, it was always a goal to get out here. Um, uh, I had uh, in college, I mean, this, this ties in because I, in college, I met my wife, Kathy, who was also, uh, you know, uh, the, she ended up getting the, the same degree that I have where we both got it in scoring and arranging. And so she's a bass player, uh, violist and came from a choral music family. And so quite the musician and artist, visual artist too. Anyway, we, we had gotten married in 82 and then we, uh, had sites about eventually moving and we, we moved in, uh, 1990, uh, we moved out here and, uh, yeah, I mean it, even though the life in Denver was, you know, was really, really good. I mean, it's a big enough city that it houses, you know, all kind of all the scenes of jazz and classical and I mean, funk at the time and avant-garde rock punk shit, all, all, everything, you know, country music and, and a very good classical orchestra. Um, but you know, I was just, I was in particular hungry for, uh, to be in New York. And, um, and so, so we made the move, we ended up, uh, you know, kind of not in New York city directly, but in New Jersey at that time in between Philadelphia and New York. So I ended up actually playing a lot in Philadelphia in those first like 15 years I was playing in New York, but it just wasn't as often and as substantial while well, the gigs are substantial, but <laughs> just not, not really on the scene, uh, so to speak until we moved up here in 2007. And then it was just, you know, even though I'd played here for a long time, it's different, you know, it's just sure, sure, sure. proximity. Oh, you're here. Boom. You know, it's like, so, yeah. uh, yeah. Interesting how those things work, you know, if you find out, <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So how'd you meet Tim? Uh, Tim. Yeah, Tim Armacost. I initially, wow, this is interesting because within about a year of uh, moving out here, this would have been 1990 or 91. He, I met him as we were living in Trenton, New Jersey, and there was this Italian restaurant that would have jazz on the weekends, like in this, just across the border in Pennsylvania. Anyway, there was this group, Tim Armacost and uh, Bob Bowman. I'm trying to think of the other players. Anyway, I ended up meeting him uh, there just by chance, just hearing him. And then I think I had gotten his, I'd heard about his name through someone else, you know, it said, you know, uh, if you're, you know, check out Tim Armacost anyway. And it wasn't until 
years later, like around 2008 or nine, when we moved up here, that I ended up on a gig with Tim, you know, through uh, uh, somebody else's gig, but he was, he was on it. And, uh, and so that was great. And, you know, so since that time, we've just been uh, playing in, you know, crossing paths in big bands, also uh, playing his music, and he's, also played my music quite a bit, you know, and, uh, and, and so it's, you know, uh, it, it's the, the scene is surprisingly small in New York, but at the same time, you can go for years without crossing paths. And then, you know, and then it, then it finally happens. And I'm really, really glad it has with Tim because as you know, and as you hear, He's such a great musician, uh, player and composer, and a really, really good person. And uh, it's nice to have had built a, such a strong musical uh, friendship with him, you know, and especially with this last record of, you know, it was really nice. He asked me to play in such a stellar group and, and to, uh, you know, to perform it for two weeks was... Uh, a great experience so yeah he made the comment that he wrote that music especially for those musicians for you and those the guys in that band yeah yeah and, and i thought that was really a, a great idea and also i could just tell like um well him in particular as a band leader there's something about the way it's organized i mean i know it's jazz it's not completely organized of course but there's something about the <clears throat> the organization of the the performance and the compositions it just really struck me. I mean, it was, there's a lot of freedom, but at the same time, it's, it's, um, I don't know how to say it. It's, it, it, it it's all put together very well. Yeah. And, and everybody just interacts very well. And just, just amazing. It was very inspiring. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I found it inspiring too. I mean, and challenging, but what I, you know, that the, the as over the course of those two weeks of of playing his music, of course, it uh, well, I, you know, all of us couldn't help but be deeper into the music with each each night, you know, each gig, and uh, getting a away from the page, less reading. I mean, Tim wasn't reading, but the rest of us and and Rudy, Rudy had it memorized, but uh, um. Anyway, to get to get deeper into Tim's compositions was really, you know, it's a treasure. What I liked most about it was the the construction of the compositions. Um, you know, there's a, plenty of written music, but then when everybody would solo, uh, it was, you know, there there was just so much room that he provided. Uh, I guess two things. I mean, it was a great solo sections, great changes and phrasing and, and challenging things like that. But then uh, along with that, you know, uh, I really appreciated this from Tim. He wasn't on the clock like going, OK, uh, well, you know, better cut that solo out here, you know, cut that. solo. he never, ever did that, which is fine to do. I, I understand kind of that trimming thing, but he just wow, he just uh, allowed us to play. And I, I just, I just love that. That's part of 
this art form that I love when people really, really get to stretch in situations, uh, you know, in concert situations and clubs, it's, you know, he, he never handcuffed any of us. So that says a lot about his confidence to me as a leader and also as a composer of, of like, you know, and it wasn't like cookie cutter. Oh, it's the same way with every composition. It wasn't. Um, yeah. And, and I personally grew as a musician with that whole experience, you know, of course, recording his music, but then uh, even going deeper. Uh, hey, that's a gift, man, to have the whole two weeks of, of performing sure. with the course, same yeah. people. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And that was, uh, Tim was like, a, you know, just a warrior and a, a hero. <laughs> They're putting all of it together, you know, really something. I would ask him if he was going to, you guys should make a record at the end of the tour as well as before the tour. You know? Yeah. Well, I know. Well, it's the, the, yeah, the playing is, is just that much uh, more grooving, but also more open, you know, but. Uh, you can hear it. You can hear the, I mean, you can hear the freedom there. So what I meant, he just let you guys play. And, yeah. And you could tell he was enjoying it as much as you were and as much as we were. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we, it was a really good, uh, chemistry with all of us musically and uh and very uh supportive in that way i don't know what that means at this stage of the game it still means something when you're you know it doesn't even have to be spoken but you get the vibe of like you know everybody's kind of is very conscious of each other and not just not just playing even though the playing could be remarkable but there's something a little bit missing I don't know. It felt very, very connected and uh, and good traveling, you know, uh, mates and all that kind of thing was uh, <laughs> was really good. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, that nice helps. To play, nice to play music with your friends. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And people, you know, people really across the board uh, dug the music and, you know, it was very well received. I was very happy for Tim. I mean... I hope he gets more stuff out of it. I mean, selfishly for myself, but just also, you know, for him just to have more uh, opportunities to play this music uh, would be great. You know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. so I see from your bio, I see you also play in Joe Locke's group. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine you have some history with the other guys in the band too, in other, on other projects. Yeah. Well, with, with Joe, uh, you know, just a, just another amazing musician and composer, you know, and such a, a, a you know, a kind of a for, formidable musical force. He really is. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I've been playing well with his quartet. I guess, you know, uh, technically, it's it's maybe since well, the re first recording we did of Subtle Disguise that was 2017, but kind of the music was. And playing together was brewing for a few years before that. So I don't know. It's like eight or 10 years. Uh, and I knew about him for a long time. And uh, I ended up playing with Joe through uh, this great drummer, Tim Horner. Oh, yeah. He was a great composer. And I played on Tim's records. And one of them was Joe. And they go way back, you know. 
you know, uh, back into the eighties of, you know, in the city here. And, uh, anyway, that's how I met Joe. And then, uh, you know, we've ended up playing on, uh, some projects, uh, outside of like his music and my music and such as with Tim, you know, and, uh, so that, that's, uh, that's really, really, really great with Joe. And then in Joe's group, uh, I don't know if you were referring to Joe's group, the musicians there. Was well, it? The, well, Tim's group that you played with is. But yeah. Just, I'd like to just hear you talk about the musicians you like play with. Yeah. That you like yeah well, well, with uh, in Tim's group. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tim and Joe and then uh, Kenny Davis uh, on bass. I played with Kenny uh, quite a bit over the years. I mean, it's. It's not all the time, but uh, in particular projects with uh, with uh, the great tenor player Ralph Bowen, who's at uh, at Rutgers um, up here, and uh, so uh, primarily with through with Ralph, uh, and then uh, and then just other projects, and so Kenny's amazing, and uh, Rudy uh, Royston, I've. Uh, just never played with them a lot, but it's been more in the last three or four years, which is just terrific. I just love his playing. It's amazing. Yeah, he's great. He really he's is. from Denver, and, and oh, really? I, I had left, uh, you know, in like 1990 is when we moved, and I had heard about Rudy. He must have been like, you know, late teens or maybe 20 or something. So I was hearing like, oh, there's this, you know, this great player, young player and so yeah that's rudy <laughs> you yeah, know amazing yeah. amazing yeah amazing yeah he, he was down here a few years ago with uh dave pietro's band oh yeah yeah with dave gary, first, gary versace was playing piano was oh yeah I interviewed gary recently too and just great band well dave's great. yeah I, I met dave when i was in new york um i heard um the gill evans project frank was playing and dave oh it. yeah yeah oh wow so many great musicians. Oh my God. Yeah. So what was it like? I know it was so many musicians. I'd like to hear you talk about all of your favorite musicians, but what was it like going back a little, what was it like to break into the scene in New York city? I mean, I know you were kind of in the area, but what was it like when you actually got here and started meeting people? And Well, it, it uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess breaking, you know, a bit of a slow process, but, or what, whatever it was. I, I mean, I'd gotten, I'd gotten names from, uh, friends in Denver, uh, and also, um, you know, they gave me some numbers of New York musicians, people that I'd heard of others that I didn't know. And, uh, one thing I could say, I got this huge amount of numbers from, uh, there was a great educator named Rich Madison, yeah, sure. Remember him? I know Rich. I met Rich, yeah. Yeah, he was a great, uh, what was it, euphonium? Euphonium, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. what an educator. Anyway, he heard me play, and this was, I played I played with him in 1990 in Denver. He was a guest at this club I was playing at. And then he got me, uh, told me about uh, the great American uh, piano, jazz piano competition. And right. I entered and I got, you know, I got uh, into the competition and I hung out with him. And anyway, he gave me a ton of names, man, just like 
tons of people, like heavy duty people, man. And I called a number of them, but I, you know, I regret that I didn't call everybody, everybody. I mean, Clark Terry and like all these names, Lou Marini. And uh, I still have them in this old address book, but that was very kind. But in retro, in retrospect, I wish I had called, but I did call a few people and they were very nice. Most people were, I mean, and so anyway, that helped me uh, into the scene. I had a few friends here already that uh, that that were, you know, some from Denver. And and so I, I also just, you know, there were as, as many ways as I could, you know, I uh, was contacting people and then also did a couple of jam sessions, but I was never really into that. So more of my, it turns out more of my gigs and gigging were in Philly. And so in 1992, I met Pat Martino. He heard me play. And then I started getting together with him at his home, uh, just in duets. And he, you know, invited me, which was a great honor. And then in 1994, uh, he asked me to, record with him and I ended up doing three records that year. Nineteen ninety five he felt well enough to start playing. And so I think it was the bottom line was the first gig. And then it just really, just really took off and grew. So I ended up when I was playing with Pat, I, you know, I I got in into the scene this way at least, not really on the scene, but I was playing in New York and that helped me immensely to be playing with Pat, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, and uh and then that led to um being heard. And so it was a little bit getting into the scene here through the outside, not far away, but just, you know, and then playing with Dave Liebman, but that was a connection, his big band through uh a musician who was located outside of Philadelphia and they were old friends and you know, yeah. it's just these these paths cross, and then, uh, and then I I was started to get a few of my own gigs up here, small but mighty. You know, it felt yeah. felt big, and then, uh, like I said, when we moved here in two thousand seven, then, you know, immediate within a week, I was just, you know, a number of people that I knew already said, oh, you're here? Hey, I got a gig. Yeah. It's just like, well, I was only 65 miles away, but... <laughs> yeah, it makes a difference, though. Right? It makes a difference. And yeah. so right. it's been really, really, really great. It was a dream come true to, you know, still is, just to be here and playing. And uh, and consequently, it, it, you know, I've gotten a lot of uh, tours out of being here, you know, with uh, musicians here in the city. It just, I had some of that in, uh, you know, in uh, out of Philly, particularly with Pat, but um, so that's, that's so important too, at least for freelancing, you know, being primarily a freelance musician. I mean, you can't make a living only playing local gigs in New York city, even though it's the greatest city in the world. There's just, it's not enough money. It's just nuts. But uh, so, yeah, it's very uh, uh, fruitful and challenging and nutty, but but rewarding in the end, you know. 
very rewarding. Yeah. Another thing I saw, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but yeah. I think I saw in your, in your bios, you do a residency at the 55 bar. What does that mean exactly? Just like, well, well, it, it, the, the 55, it, 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 it closed. Oh no, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I think I did hear that. I just forgot. Yeah. It's a pandemic. It, um, it, uh, it, it didn't, uh, didn't last. It was a mighty effort, but, uh, yeah, I, I played there for a long time with, you know, different people. And then fortunately my own gigs, um, you know, over quite a few years. And then, uh, about, well, let me see around 2015, I think it was maybe the beginning of 2015, uh, the owner offered me a once a month gig, which is the residency. So, so I had that, uh, you know, all the way through the the pandemic when it did open up, you know, there weren't as many gigs, but so all told it was probably like about seven years, you know, five of them were real solid like every month. And so I was able to play with a lot of different people as guests. And also then I just formed a quartet uh, with a violinist, Zach Brock and uh, Chris Terry on bass and then Joel Rosenblatt on drums. And we, that group was played there most of the time for a couple of years. And anyway, what, what, a what a dream to have a steady gig like that, you know, at, at the 55 play, whatever you want. And it was sure, supported right. and, you know, funky bar and all that stuff, but, you know, Stern played there and yeah, of course, yeah. Wayne Krantz and just the, tons of people, you know, wow. A lot of great singers and, you know, Paul Jost, a great singer that I work with, uh, he had a residency there as well. And uh, that was a big hit. Yeah. I, I was a hit, but then we all took a hit when it closed because there's, there's no other club like it in the, in New York or yeah, anywhere because... That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, I didn't think so. Nothing... Uh, I don't know. I mean, the money was just average, and but that... It wasn't about that. It was, I mean, we, we all needed the money, but it was, you know, and then if you wanted to go and hear music, uh, it was such a, a you know, it didn't co cost an arm and a leg like going to the Blue Note or something, which is just, uh, you, you can't do that every night. But you could go to the 55 and, you know, a very small cover, or you, or you left a tip in the bucket, but you you bought drinks and you were supported and, you know, so anyway, that, that, that was a really important thing for my own playing and my own uh, growth as, as a player and as a composer, you know, it, it just, uh, to have a steady gig like that, Jesus, you know, wow. So, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. I, have, that, I have, I have a hotel gig three nights a week, solo piano. So, which I'm. Oh, that's right. You were telling extremely me. Extremely grateful for you know. Wow. And I'm that's yeah. That kind of stuff. I mix it up, you know, but I get to play some of my own music too, and you know. Yeah. So. That's great, Keith. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal. I know it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell me about your composing. I know you're a composer as well. Tell me about. Let's talk about that a little bit. I'm. I also write music, and I'm interested in hearing people's, you know, insights into that. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a 
I'm a jazz pianist, but I also, part of my title is always including as a composer, uh, even though most of the time I'm playing. So composition goes back to when I was a little kid. I was, I brought up my older brother and he, when he was in high school, I'll never forget this. He wrote a piece for the concert band and he also conducted it, but it was called African Summer. And it was inspired primarily by, uh, I believe this, I, I can't ask him now because he's departed, but uh, you remember the movie Hatari and Henry Mancini? But I, I don't think I've ever seen it, but I know of, of it. And uh, Henry Mancini did the film score. And uh, I know part of that inspired my brother. Um, but, you know, so it was kind of uh, a tone poem in a way, African summer. I mean, honestly, I was, he was nine years older than me. So I might have been like, geez, must have been like nine or 10. No, no, no. I had to be or eight or something when I heard it. But I just remember seeing him and going, wow, I was very moved by what he had done. And also, I can't remember the music, but it inspired me to, to have my own creative musical thoughts. And so, which I did, I remember bits and pieces when I was that age of like, oh, yeah, here's some timpani and, you know, just my own ideas. I didn't know how to write. So, but it started at that time. And uh, when I was in the, as far as composition, it didn't, it started in college, I would say. Because uh, I, I have nothing that I, I wrote from high school. I was just taking lessons and, you know, primarily. But in, uh, in college, you know, everything just coalesced. I was 100% a musician. I wasn't helping out on the farm, you know, or just being in sports or anything like that. Everything was music. And so it really blossomed because I, uh, of course, I was inspired by, you know, my, my fellow students and also all the music I was hearing, uh, jazz music, but also classical music. Not a classical pianist, but I, I just love, you know, all of the great composers and all of them. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I did begin, I took jazz piano lessons, but I also took classical lessons. And there were opportunities to write at the school for a jazz band. So I got into that, not really knowing what I was doing, but you're not supposed to know that shit yeah. yet. So yeah. Uh, so I had really good guidance from the teachers there. And then uh, I was writing a little bit for uh, like string quartet. And I'm, I'm not talking like full compositions, just little pieces. Because then my uh, Kathy, my girlfriend at the time was a violist. And so she's a composer too. And so, you know, when you have opportunity, oh, we can write something. And, you know, the students, your colleagues will put, an ensemble together. Anyway, it, <clears throat> so I was writing small, like uh, kind of jazz trio, jazz quartet things, you know, straight ahead or funky and things like that. Uh, 
and other things with lyrics and with kind of little small tone poems. But it, the biggest thing that happened compositionally for me in college was the uh, one of the 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 main instructors there uh, named Franz Roman. He he asked it was this was like a huge gift, man. He said, Jim, I would like for you to invite you to write a piece to be performed with the Denver Symphony. You know, part of like a kind of a university and simp and the and the city orchestra to to uh, you know coincide not coincide but the collaboration. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. so some of the the teachers, there were a couple of teachers that wrote, and I don't know, if, I might have been the only student. I can't quite remember now. I think, but anyway, it was like wow. So. Uh, I wrote a piece called uh, Ocean Sojourn, which is a 17-minute piece for piano and orchestra. It was a classical piece, and it was an 80-piece orchestra. And I got full ride to just write, and and I performed it with the orchestra too. So, and I have a recording of it. It's it's uh, you know, it's a little wobbly because of the it was analog tape and da da da, but but it's i have to say the the piece has a lot of merit and uh and really really good compositional ideas too thick orchestra or orchestration wise and some things like this and my playing was was very good i would play it better now etc but that that was like a landmark thing in my life yeah, I can imagine yeah to imagine. So, to have uh, had that opportunity to write um, and the piece, just briefly, is about. Uh, uh, I got this thought. I I had 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 this theme, like when I was nineteen. I, I did this when I was twenty-one. This theme that was maybe about eight or ten bars long, and it was a uh, 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 like an ocean sojourn in dedication to my Norwegian grandparents, like imagining. I mean, it's it's an imagination, but they did make the trip across the Atlantic. But you know, it's more fictional in the way of it's enhanced, and so yes. imagining, but just still imagining what that's like. You know, you have no idea. You're in a completely new country. You don't speak the language and all this kind of stuff. But so this whole piece, it's it's a. Uh, I guess you would say it's through composed. It's three movements, but everything goes into into the next thing, and uh, so that that was amazing, man. I I just uh, uh, I got there was something there that also told me, well, if you want if you want a life as a composer, you might have the goods. You know, you 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 might be able to sustain that. Um, and I did, I did get a few, like a little, little things like that, that were possible for me. But I tell you, I just love playing piano and I just wanted to be a, a jazz, jazz musician anyway. So, but I've continued to compose obviously since that time. And it's, it's all been like, you know, uh, jazz oriented music. I well, I'm going to go off a little bit here. 
But I have to say, though, the things I've written over the years, I don't know that all of them should have necessarily fit in the context of a jazz quartet or something larger. Uh, But the fact that that's my accessibility is these great musicians. So, so some things can sit in a classical setting. It's just, I've played them in a jazz setting because that's what's available to me. So anyway, it's a little bit of a, a, not a, at times a dilemma, but um, nonetheless, geez, it's all good. And I continue to compose, uh, you know, I did two records uh, dedicated to North Dakota door in a field. Um, and I can, uh, I meant to send you, you know, some links and I, I did not do that. Unfortunately, we're going to talk about that because I'm going to ask you some questions about that. Yeah. Actually, so. But I, so I've written music and dedication to also to where I grew up, you know, uh, specific compositions <clears throat> toward that. And, uh, and then of course, just, you know, straight ahead stuff, Latin and, you know, specifically writing for people that I'm playing with. And, and, uh, so, yeah. And some new, a uh, few recordings from the last couple of years and things like that. So it's ongoing, you know? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. It, it, I don't know if you find this for yourself, but when you're really busy playing, sometimes it's hard to kind of find the uh, time to write. Yeah, it's hard to find the time to do anything. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, besides, I teach a lot too. So it's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and I do martial arts too, so I'm busy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, it it takes a discipline to include it, but anyway, I'm working on that. Hopefully, we'll get that together. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it together. We'll all right. <laughs> so, well, what you all that talk about the about this? First of all, I'd love to hear your your composition from college if you're willing to share it with me sometime. I'm yeah, really I'll, I'll send you. That. I'll send it to you. I'd love to hear it. And that brings me to my next uh, question for you: is I'd like to for you, I'd like to ask you to recommend some of your favorite recordings that you're on. I ask everybody this question, actually. I'd like to know some of your favorite recordings that you're on, not just necessarily your own recordings, but favorite recordings that you're playing on and kind of why. Yeah. Um, two, two that stand out. Uh, um, there's a great saxophonist composer, uh, Charles Pillow, P-I-L-L-O-W. He's, he's on the scene here in New York a long time and I actually it's uh I was looking at this last night and then it was like I go man I'm too late to send this to Keith but uh it is on YouTube and Charles did this whole thing of of reimagining uh pictures at an exhibition Masorsky's uh Mm -hmm. uh opus and and he did it for like kind of a small small group um ensemble and it's one of my favorite things to be part of i mean i like how i play on it but i just i like being part of this this thing that he created it's like uh compositional yet there's a lot of blowing and it's really and and this is it's 20 years ago that that he did it and i i go wow i can't believe it's been 20 years but that's that's something that always sticks with me uh just something, uh, and I have to say, I mean, uh, so anyway, that's one thing with Charles. 
you know, and and uh, of course, uh, let me see, like with Pat Martino, um, a, 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 a one that's really a, a soulful to me is has a piece called "You're Welcome to a Prayer," and it's on the maker. Uh, that, but that particular piece is it's a ballad that Pat wrote, and you know, it's a, it kind of an extended piano solo in front ensemble and then piano solo at the end uh that's a very meaningful i mean all the stuff i played with them is was is really important to me and things you know different things with joe Locke just from the last two records uh, mean you know are also just uh, uh very challenging music but he's such a great composer and a lot of written piano stuff. And in a way, I just feel I, I all, uh, there's some good moments where I'm blowing, soloing that I, I, that I, uh, you know, I appreciate how I'm playing, but also how I'm playing uh, as far as in, in an ensemble and playing his music. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm very, I don't know, just my musicianship, I feel is I, 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 I did. A good job, and it served his, it served his purposes, you know, as a composer. But all, I mean, obviously he likes my playing, but it's, yeah. you know, but it, that's that's important to me. There's, uh, you know, things with Paul Jost, uh, who I work with, some really great stuff with Paul. I mean, I, uh, I, let me see what's the name of the record. Anyway, it's like the a couple of current records that's out, and then uh, there's quite a few people. But uh, uh, another one I want to mention is uh, there's this singer Gabriela Anders. She's from Argentina, but she's in New York. Although I think she she's back in uh, in uh, Argentina now. But uh, I've, on a couple of her recordings and. Um, I have to say that's some of my favorite playing of mine because I'm, it's just less. I mean, I like some of these settings where, I mean, I love the settings where I'm blowing and it's like, wow, it's really driving hard. And, but I also like things where it's, it's a bit more subtle and on her, a number of things of, with her, it's, it's, that comes across. Uh, there's a record called Cool Again, and um, yeah, just kind of throughout that record, it's it's I'm 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 just more subtle with with things I'm doing, and then there's a duet record, a piano and voice. Uh, I'm on like four cuts, and then uh, Jean Michel Pilk, a great French pianist, and uh, and then John Coward. Uh, he he's on and it's you know we're all different but it's Gabriella's you know her music and choice of music and uh, so it that record is I think it's hard to find it's not on a major label it's like maybe Bandcamp or it'll if you go to her site you can find it but yeah I know I know there's more and I'm definitely forgetting things but there's a uh, you know uh a lot of people that 
it's always some some good stuff with with sure. all these people I play with, you know. So what about your own recordings? Um, yeah, uh, the uh, I brought up uh, the door in a field. So there's volume one, volume two. The first one is just called Door in a Field, but uh, the compositions there it's it's more compositional, but the playing is is uh, is really really good with my bandmates. Um, I don't have a million records out, but there's also, uh, um, going back a bit further, there's, a <clears throat> or later, um, one of my first trio records is five minutes to madness and joy. That's nice title. Yeah. It's, it's inspired by, uh, Walt Whitman, one hour to madness and joy. Um, there's, uh, Blue Corn Enchilada Dreams. <laughs> That's uh, inspired by Santa Fe in New Mexico. At uh, uh, Terrell Stafford's on that, and uh, that's that's very cool. And then a couple of recent ones. They're live. There's a Jim Jim Riddle Trio live uh, standards oh, yeah, that just came website. came out last year. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Jesus, what's the name of the the Oh, ask for the ancient path. Yeah, yeah, I saw that on your website too. That's that's it's recorded a while ago, but it was just recently released that I put out. Scott Robinson, Tim Horner, and Martin Wind. Well, and uh, good players for that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so tough to, to find good players. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, uh, those are you know recent things, and I have some other stuff I'm seeing about releasing, you know, Good. that was recorded during the pandemic, some live stuff, but I think uh, important to get out. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, doing this podcast is going to make me broke buying CDs and uh, downloading <laughs> music. <laughs> you know what, though? I'd be glad to send you CDs. Oh, I have. Sure. That, well, that'd be, that'd be beautiful. No. Let me, let me do that. So you're not spending any no, money. And I mean, I'm happy to do it, but uh, it, it's, I, I'm joking, but it's been a real inspiration to hear. I, I like to ask people, tell me what you like of your own stuff. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, I'd be glad to, cause I have, I have copies, you know, and yeah. it's nice to share them, yeah, you know, yeah. with you for sure, man. So yeah, well, um, this has been great so far. I love this has been a great conversation. Um, uh, I want to ask you another thing. I know you're a teacher. I mean, you said it's not predominantly what you do, but I'm, I, I teach as well. And I always like to ask people about your approach to teaching. What do you think is important? Um, what's what's important? What do you like to convey to your students? Um, well, uh, the, I mean, this this has, you know, grown in me over the years as far as like a, a, a philosophy of, of my own teaching. And I, I believe it to be this. I, there are so, let me preface it by saying there's so much I don't know. I mean, there are gaps in, yeah. in uh, my own, like my own jazz history. And there's so many records I don't know that a lot of my friends know and they grew up with. And I, I'll just never get to all of it. So, but I leave that out of the picture when I teach and I just, my thing is, is just, I'm going to teach, I'll give you everything I know 
like that I know through my experience, uh, what I've been taught, also through my experience of playing. And what I don't know, I don't try and, you know, uh, say, oh, yeah, I know about that. Well, no, I, I'll, I'll say it as much, too. So it's a very honest approach. Uh, the thing is, I don't, I have very few books that I use for teaching. I have a lot of materials that I've written out. You know, a, a lot of the students that I have over the years have, are primarily, they're, they're not professional musicians, although they're very talented. Maybe they were for a while. They have other gigs in life. You know, that's their main thing. And so a lot of students that I have these days are, you know, either rekindling their love of playing or they're, you know, that classical background and now they're they're learning, wanting to learn jazz. So a lot of the stuff I'm teaching is fundamental, you know. I mean, really foundational stuff that they need to know, <laughs> uh, which I enjoy. So, and if I need to direct them with books and stuff, I, I'm totally open to that. But I mean, and so I'll have uh, like students my generation, and of course younger, and then I have like one 11 year old student, which I don't take y young students because I feel like. If they need to piano technique and all these like kind of uh, more uh, pedantic kind of things, pedagogical, it's like I go, I'm not the guy. I'm not the teacher for that. But this student, uh, she's she's great. And she's I'm teaching her jazz piano. And it's like and I'm treating her the same as I do for the most part, adult students. And it's like, you know, even though she's but she's got really good ears. Anyway, it's interesting. It's like, you know, a young person like that, I can teach, but I'm teaching what I know right. and what I can articulate well. But other stuff like, you know, how to keep your hands and the weight of the fingers is just like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I do know, but it's not something that when they're that age, they should have a some like pretty strict, not strict, but really to me anyway, a dedicated teacher. So now that that's kind of that part of it. Now this, this, uh, two weeks ago, I taught, it was my second time at this, this, uh, conservatory in Holland. Uh, and I taught there for a week and I had like four to five classes a day, you know, ensembles and improvisation class and, uh, a master class, a standards class, you know, number of different things like that. So these are these are dedicated students who are, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, some of them a little bit older in the masters. So everything was like kind of obviously brought up as far as knowledge. They know a lot of things already. So, but it was still the same idea of like, a lot of the work was on standards and I don't, I played nearly all the standards, but I don't know all of them from memory. Sure. But I, I say what I know. I mean, what I can help with and by playing and things like that. So I'm glad to say that I can, that I can offer a lot to musicians, whether they be professionals or 
just uh they're doing it for the love of it but i think it's it's really just it's coming from i mean i have a lot to give because it's it's a, a lot of it primarily through experience and i know my theory very well i mean i'm i'm very clear with that and those kinds of things but uh i i don't know it's uh shoot i can't remember that author's name but it was a it was a really great book on teaching just not jazz but just in general and i think it's something like uh when you teach you you bring like 80 or try and bring 80 percent of yourself to the table i mean it's it's really you bring you to it uh does that make sense or absolutely yeah, i don't absolutely. know absolutely you know I agree I, with what you said. You can only teach I mean, you only teach what you know. I mean, like I do, I'll talk about something that I don't really, like I'll say I can't, I, I'll say I'm not really good at this, but this is an idea you might want to know about. And oh, yeah, yeah, we great. Could, we could talk more about it, or you can look into it for yourself, or I recommend that you look into this, but yeah, but I might not be able to do it that well myself, but I, I think it's important for you where you are to think about this. Yeah, that that's that's great, man. Same, same for me. It's like... Uh, I, and and also, like uh, that as an example as well. How do you how do you convey? How do you steer a student in a really clear way, an encouraging way, to fight, to get that information, even if you don't know exactly everything about it? But it's like I can say that because I can go. You know, one of my inspirations is Vladimir Horowitz, the great classical pianist. I mean, he's one of my all-time favorite pianists and i i like wore out the the cd and the video of his concert in moscow when he returned he hadn't been there in 62 years and he was like close to 80 at the time of his playing and a really big influence for me but i can't play anything that he plays yeah and i uh yet his sound and the sound he produced, I know, has had a positive effect on playing piano. It's just it helped my touch and my consciousness of how to make, you know, a line sing, how to make, how to get a deeper tone, yet uh, maybe a lighter, still at the same time lighter. I mean, et cetera. Yeah, and I so you're playing. I definitely hear that in your playing. Yeah. Well, that that's like it, those kinds of things I got, you know, directly say from Horowitz or Rubinstein, or <laughs> or other pianists, and now that's something I can steer a student toward and go okay, and I can help shape the context of it, you know, because it's like well, this, for instance, with Horowitz, he's been dead a long time, but he was highly influential and always will be through his recordings and videos. And you go, and you have to check him out. You have to look at him and, and go, because he's very different getting this beautiful sound than Rubenstein or Herbie Hancock or, or Keith Jarrett. It's like, well, how does that happen? You know, and that's fun to explore, to give that away to students, even though I can't go, well, I'm going to play, you know, uh, something by Scarlatti that I, I don't, I, I don't do it. Yeah. Could I? Well, I didn't start early enough. That's not my thing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, uh, but yet, 
I get such a, that's what I love about this art form is that we can take in all these things from different, completely different styles and they get in us and they, you know, they come out in our playing or our writing or our communication. Uh, it, you know, it's almost like a misfit jazz, like the, the culture is, there's a little bit of that misfit where you feel, I don't, I don't quite fit here. I don't quite fit there. Well, you're welcome here because you got something to say. Uh, we want that. Yeah. You know, everybody's welcome if they have something to say. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, it's a good, it's a really good space and environment, you know, for individual. Uh, and I, I mean, I, do I encourage that? Well, it's not something I bring up all the time, but because sometimes, like I said, with a lot of students, it, I, you know, I can't necessarily, like we can have a philosophical or a more that kind of conversation, but when it's just like trying to play the blues and keep the, keep the 12 bars together, it's right. like, that's really, really important. Yeah. I mean, so they find the soulfulness in those 12 bars without, you know, and the, so, but I, I love it. I, I'm, I'm getting better at it. I grow yeah. every year. I'm, uh, and, and, and that's good. I've been very driven by, uh, I still am about being a player, uh, you know, and, and keeping my playing up high, but man, working with, with students is, uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. And I love when they get something, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's like, I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, it's, it's good to share it, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah it's interesting. Kids that go to a local fine arts high school. And, uh, hmm. That's really interesting to, to see them develop, you know? Yeah. Help, hopefully help them, you know, steer them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, man, this has been just great conversation. I hope we can continue having these, some of these conversations at, yeah. at beyond this uh, interview. Yeah, I, I agree, Keith. Thank, thank you so much, man. For this uh, has been just great. Yeah. For uh, ask you know ask asking me to do this with you, but to to share absolutely you know uh, share things. It's 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 great. Well, yeah, what you're doing absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. So, is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this up? Um, let me see. Um, well, I have to. Well, yeah. Just you know, whatever. It's Please, yeah. be, it, it's it's been an interesting experience for me. Like from September fifteenth until October twenty fourth, I just haven't had a run of being on the road. Like essentially two tours, like two weeks with Tim, and then I was home for four days, but I had like one overnight gig. So I was still kind of in the groove yeah. and then I went to Holland and for a week and then uh, I'll just go through it quickly. It, it's just important, but like London one night, Barcelona the next night, Amsterdam the next night, it was an ass kicker. Hard, you know, not much sleep, but, but really great music with a quartet and a singer. And then I had a few days off and then I went to a trio like in Leeds, UK and then three gigs in in uh, Ireland, and all of it it was like 
I just haven't had a run like that in a long, you know, I've done touring and stuff, but sometimes it's, you know, shorter things. And, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's a whole, it's a trippy to be in that again. And I really, really enjoy it. I mean, I miss being away from my wife, Kathy and stuff, but she's totally cool. She's a musician and we've been together many, many years. So we know the groove, but the, the positive things were seeing new places and playing with new musicians, sharing my original music, playing standards and teaching, uh, you know, inside of that, there were some workshops, uh, after that week of teaching and, uh, you know, you make all these connections and you go, how is this working in this crazy world that's going on? Right. You know, and the beauty of music and the art form uh, is just, it's just, it's, it's trippy. I mean, it's kind of surreal in a way, but really, really positive. And I grew uh, uh, becoming a, I know I grew as far as a player, especially with Tim's project. And then uh, as a teacher, so, you know, safe, good travels, you know, got there, got back, especially at this age, man, it's, it's like very thankful for, and doing this. I mean, it's, I don't do this kind of thing every day. And it's, so it's, it, it means a lot to, to share. So I appreciate it. It means a lot to me to have you here. So also. yeah, it's all part of the thing, you know? Yeah. The other, other great thing about this is I get to meet all these great musicians and talk to them. I'm not, I'm not in New York. I'm in South Carolina. I'm not around all these, all of you guys, you know, but I, yeah, to meet all of you and, and have conversations with you and uh, yeah. establish some contacts of my own and get yeah. a lot of insights and a lot of inspiration. I get a lot of inspiration from doing this. So. Yeah. Well, let's definitely uh, stay in touch and yeah, chat, absolutely. you know, some more. I really appreciate it, Keith. But... Yeah. Thank you, too. Let's talk. All right. Soon. Okay. See ya. See ya. Bye.